Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. While we vary in terms of uh, the ranks that we carry here at BGS, one thing always remains constant. Much to learn, we still have. Yeah, that's very true in these episodes especially. <laughs> this season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Today we're diving into Season 1, Episodes 5, 6, and 7, called Rise of the Elf Masters, Breaking Ranks, and Out of Darkness. Now, we have done our best to scramble our sign signature, and we will be avoiding spoilers for future episodes, but I will throw in a potential adult content warning for the younglings. Yeah, especially because those stingrays like to get down. <laughs> so without further ado, let's hop aboard the ghost and head to Lethal to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Anders, why don't you take it away and open up that first one for us? Absolutely. So our first holocron is the Journal of the Wills. This is where we will take a deep dive into the plot of today's episodes. So we start with Rise of the Old Masters, and this starts with Ezra finally getting some real Jedi training Nice. as he does a handstand on top of the ghost while it is very high up in the air. Kanan keeps trying to tell him to focus harder, but Ezra's struggling. And uh, it's not made any easier by Zeb's constant heckling or Chopper throwing milk bottles at him. After a very frustrating end that involves Ezra falling off the ghost and as Kanan having to catch and pull him back up with the force, the team heads inside where they overhear a broadcast from Senator in Exile Gal Travis claiming that Jedi Master Luminara Unduli is in fact still alive and in Imperial custody. The crew decide to attempt a rescue from the supposedly impenetrable Spire prison on Stygian Prime. And while they are successful at breaking in, they discover extreme Akbar voice, it's a trap that has been set by the Inquisitor. Luminara is long dead, but he uses her remains somehow and her rumored survival to lure re any remaining Jedi to the prison. After revealing himself to be a strong dark side user, with a very cool double-bladed spinning red lightsaber, 
and fighting both Kanan and Ezra, the Inquisitor ultimately fails to capture the rebels who get a little help from some local wildlife that were trying to hump the ghost. Hibbity, that's what they're called. (laughs) (laughs) And they make an escape. Ezra Ezra tells Kanan that he's letting him off the hook and doesn't have to train him anymore, thinking that Kanan had wanted to dump him off on Luminara. Kanan, who had in fact been having just some serious doubts about his own abilities to train Ezra, brings up one of Yoda's more memorable sayings that he had invoked earlier in the episode, only this time with a much better understanding of its meaning for all of us too. He will no longer try to train Ezra, he will train Ezra. Boom. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Such a good explanation of that line. Finally. I know, right? Like, mm, we've waited a long time. Thank you, Dave Filoni, <laughs> plus the writing team of Rebels for this scene. <laughs> Up next is Breaking Ranks. Ezra has been sent into the Imperial Training Academy on Lothal to, or in order to steal a decoder, basically, from Callus. On the inside, he befriends Zer Leonis, a fellow cadet who isn't too stoked on the Empire either. The two agree to help each other, and Ezra is able to steal the decoder. Instead of returning immediately to the ghost, however, Ezra decides to stay at the academy in order to help his friend Jai Kel, who has been targeted along with Ezra by the Inquisitor. The three friends agree to help each other win their final training challenge in order to gain access to an Imperial Walker so they can escape. Not this bad. Is a great, this is a great scene. <laughs> it's a really great scene, and it's a pretty good plan. Like, good job, kids. These are kids, y'all. <laughs> They're really good. Ezra's team is successful with, you know, a slight assist from Zeb, Sabine, and Chopper, and a grenade, obviously. Zare decides to remain at the Academy in order to find his sister, who was kind of spirited away by the Inquisitor, while Ezra and Kel escape before the Inquisitor arrives. Meanwhile, Kanan and Hera, (laughs) fantastic mission for these two, are able to complete their original mission and destroy the transport carrying the kyber crystals. I gotta say- And then finally- I just got one note on that episode when Zare decides to yeah. stay behind and he's like intentionally missing as he's blasting. I just thought it was a very nice little bit of meta commentary about Stormtrooper aim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and remember, he was trying his very best. He almost got them, guys. He yes. almost got them. <laughs> Finally, we've got Out of Darkness. Hera pilots herself, Ezra and Sabine, out of a chase on the Phantom with several TIE fighters. Sabine starts questioning Hera about the source of their intelligence, as it seems to be getting them into more dangerous situations lately. But Hera is scant on the details. Back on the ghost, Zeb, Ezra, and Chopper are tasked with repairing the Phantom, and Sabine tells Hera that she is coming with her to meet her contact, named Fulcrum. On the mission, the Phantom is leaking fuel. Thanks a lot, Zeb. And the pair are stranded, along with several very dangerous fear knocks. The beasts only come out when the sun isn't shining, and there is a large asteroid about to eclipse the light. While they wait for the ghost to rescue them, the pair must fight off their attackers. Sabine shows off her kills and skills by causing several explosions to drive them back. Ultimately, they are rescued as they fend off the fear knocks atop the phantom. Back on the ghost, Ezra and Zeb apologize for not catching the fuel leak during repairs, and Hera and Sabine discuss their renewed trust and faith in one another. I love it. Mom and daughter. So good. I do like that the Fearnox are not affected by fake light, kind of like 
in Hocus Pocus when yes. they fool the three witches with the car lights. Yep. The Fear Next were not fooled as easily, folks, as three grown women witches. Well, with Very that, true. let's move on to our second holocron, The Will of the Force. And for this holocron, we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episodes. And a really big one for the episode's themes is self-doubt, focusing mm-hmm. on Kanan and Ezra and then also Sabine. So to look at Kanan and Ezra first, they're kind of dealing with a lot of self-doubt in their abilities as master and apprentice, and especially Kanan in episode five. It isn't until the end of the episode when they actually open up to each other and allow each other to see those doubts that they are able to move forward with a stronger resolve together. So, I mean, I absolutely loved this kind of self-doubt that we see Kanan go through because, I mean, the Jedi, you think that they know everything already, Mm -hmm. but Kanan is clearly struggling with what he thinks he can do for Ezra as a teacher. So Mm -hmm. anything to add here, guys? I love it. Theirs is the central relationship of the show. And this just lays like so much groundwork for how they interact going forward. I love it. I love their vibe. <laughs> it's so adorable when the Grand Inquisitor is like, your teacher is undisciplined and he's this and he's this. And Ezra's like, well, F you, dude. He's my teacher. We're perfect <laughs> for each other because I'm all of those things too. Yeah, that was precious yeah. AF. So cute. And one, th- one thing about Ezra that it this is more my headcanon because it's never really explicitly explored in the story, but I think about Ezra almost as a kid that he's definitely struggled. We we know he struggled. He's an orphan. He's had to survive on his own. But he strikes me as the type of kid that especially with this latent force ability that things tend to come easy to him. Like, oh, yeah. Like he masters new skills and things very quickly. He's a very established I would say hacker, but it's a slicer in uh, in Star Wars. Yeah. He's got yeah, some great physical. He, <laughs> I was gonna say Ezra has a ton of freaking skills for living yeah. out in like the desert for sure, for exactly. sure. But this is probably one of the first things that he's really, really struggling to master, and to see that self doubt in him that he's not living up to Kanan's expectations mm-hmm. when it's Kanan has absolutely no idea how to teach him. No idea. And the push-pull is really great, too. Ezra is such a kid. Like, he says, whose fault is that, Nestor? And then he, like, turns around. But you can, because you're seeing his face, you can see that he's kind of watching for Kanan's, what Kanan's going to say back. But he's waiting to respond like a kid would. He's pushing. He's pushing the boundaries of their teacher relationship. Yeah. And also, like, he's a teenager, and this is basically his dad. So, of course, he's going to be pushing back. Well, then moving on to Sabine, she's also dealing with her own self-doubt because she thinks that Hera doesn't fully trust her um, with Falcon's identity or other things with respect to the missions and everything. And then there's also the self-doubt, I think, that cuts deeper, the self-doubt that she went through in the Empire blindly following along with orders and that clearly wasn't the right decision. And so I think she's also dealing with some self-doubt whether or not she's going through the same mistake again. Yeah, this is one that really cuts to the general nature of secrets. And it's kind of like, this is a family. 
about the ghost, but is it ever okay to keep secrets from your family? Can you sort of tell these little white lies that Hera is not revealing to things? Because it, it's a double-sided thing. There's lies, there's trust, mm-hmm. having some faith in people that you'll know when you need to know. Right. Well, and it's, I would say this is a necessary lie, at least right now, because of what they're doing. Tara's right. I mean, if you get captured and you can't say anything, you literally can't say anything because you don't know. Yeah, you can't, you can't tell what you don't know is exactly what she said. And they know how the Empire can pull secrets out of people. Like they know it's possible through interrogation. I mean, Callus would totally use everything at his disposal if he caught any of them. So right. it's, it's necessary, even though it's kind of like, mm, I wish she would just tell her. <laughs> would yeah. solve a lot of team chemistry issues, probably. Well, why don't we move on to our series theme? Colleen, why don't you uh, take us away? Yes, our favorite, chosen family, and then, of course, the effects of positive influences within your chosen family. Ezra remarks that he's spending too much time with quote-unquote heroes. <laughs> that was a great he- moment. That was a really great moment because he never would have stuck his neck out before for someone like Jai Cal, which is adorable. And I don't know if I believe him though. Like you're supposed right. to believe him. I don't, I don't completely know if I believe him because he had helped that fruit farmer before. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think I don't want to undercut the positive influences of the ghost because obviously that is 100% true. But I also want to give Ezra a little bit of credit where credit is due. I think our boo-boo would have helped out a little bit. Yeah, I think it depends on the situation. If he sees a way he can help, he will. And and yeah, he's trying to put on this front where it's like, oh, I was such a badass out on the streets. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's got to impress Sabine. Yeah, that's very true. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. I saw you go rescue that child, Wookiee. We we know better. It's adorable. I love Ezra. Then, of course, when he reunites with the ghost crew, he thinks about how he was on his own again while he was undercover and that it's good to be home. So good. (laughs) I love that so much. Like, he's finally embracing a new family. I'm like, oh, this is adorable. Tear down those barriers. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we get that rebellious teen slash mom dynamic between Sabine and Hera, where Sabine is demanding answers from it's like her mom but it's her boss in this aspect and that's a really hard dynamic to walk like Hera has a lot on her plate Mm -hmm. in dealing with her family on this ship like her freaking maybe boyfriend is a Jedi who just outed himself to the entire empire and so the emperor is coming after them she's got a new child (laughs) to take care of who has like superhuman abilities that's tough Zeb is out here being a dick chopper chopper is his, her yeah that's chopper is her problem she can deal with chopper and then poor sabine who is this uber smart like she's probably the smartest one on the crew i would say uber intelligent child who is aching for answers and wants an expanded role so it's like oh I, we feel for you Hera. you have a lot to deal with on the ghost yeah dealing with all these people i think she walks the line really well and I does, love the yeah. part, yeah, where she, where Sabine's like, oh, is Fulcrum here? I guess not. And Hera's like, maybe they didn't like your attitude. <laughs> Such a mom thing to say. 
Oh, it's so good. And then of course we have Kanan and Ezra choosing to train and be trained by each other. Because of course, Kanan is gonna learn a lot from Ezra too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not just one way street for them. And they might fail, but they're gonna fail together and they're gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think that that will carry us right into our third Colicron. This is the Galaxy's Populace where we discuss the main characters and relationships in these episodes. So starting out with the characters, we get a much better look this episode than we have in the past few at the Inquisitor. I mean, he showed up in the pilot and we've seen him a little bit here and there, but now we know that the Grand Inquisitor is a strong dark side user of the force. He is a Powan male. And after his fall to the dark side, he, was, he is responsible for hunting down and eliminating Jedi during the purge. He personally serves Darth Vader, from whom he gets orders that we saw in the past. Um, And he was very familiar with the records in the Jedi Temple. Most important to us, though, in this episode, he takes a very active interest in trying to eliminate the members of the Ghost, particularly Kanan and Ezra. And we know that he's using these academies to root out cadets who might be force sensitive. Mm -hmm. He's got them reporting to him people who might just be a little bit too good. Yeah, yeah. Morgan's impressive, maybe too impressive. (laughs) Like, oh crap. I wonder if Jai is force sensitive or if Ezra helping him makes him look more impressive than he is. Like he might have a higher midichlorian count than some of the other kids, but he's, he's really getting through a lot of this because Ezra is his friend. Mm-hmm. So it's like, was he targeted rightfully or not rightfully? I'm really glad they let him escape because if he was captured and was found out that he wasn't force sensitive, they would just eliminate him immediately. Same with Zer's I think sister. In my head canon, he is force sensitive because I don't think Ezra's assistance could have risen him to so high a level that someone would be willing to put their reputation in presenting Jai before the Inquisitor. Yeah, those two. Mm. <laughs> those, the commandant <laughs> oh, and his buddy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a good eye, though. Like, yeah, Ezra is freaking amazing. Yeah. It's like, it's not fair. Two fellow cadets, a.k.a. Zara Leonis, who is another cadet who is with Ezra. I He's love searching. this guy. I love him, too. He has a whole series of books that are written about him and his search for his sister and his kind of involvement with the Imperial forces that are very cute. Have you reviewed any of those yet or will you review those in the future? Okay, Colin. I I might review them in the future. They're younger, they're skewed much younger. I would say even younger than The Wrath of Darth Maul, which is, they're probably in the same reading level but they're not as intense, I don't think, as The Wrath (laughs) of Darth Maul. I'll, I'll probably get to review them eventually but they would be farther down the road. Gotcha. But they are very cute. I love Zare, Zare is a great protagonist. He became a cadet to find out what happened to his sister because she disappeared from the training camp. Um, It's really interesting to see, in addition to our main rebels, crew, other people throughout the empire who are attempting to undermine the regime, especially more kids. Like, Sarah's like 14, and he's taken it upon himself to try and (laughs) undermine the empire. That's crazy, and I love it. Hi, Donk. Loathcat sighting, number one. 
Well, I think now we can move on to Fulcrum, but while we don't meet this mysterious individual, this episode marks their first mission. And the fact that such emphasis is placed on them being Hera's contact indicates that this character, whomever they are, will have a major role in the future. Definitely, definitely. And then we get a little bit more on Sabine this episode. This is the one where she actually starts to reveal something about her past. She reveals that she wasn't just blowing smoke when she passed herself off as that level five cadet a couple episodes ago. She was an Imperial cadet and she left because they didn't like her asking questions. She's also very determined not to just blindly follow anyone again without knowing if there is a plan, which I think that's the other part of this whole thing with Hera. It's not just that she wants to know what the plan is. She just wants to know that there is a plan. Right. Right. She wants to know, are we a rebel cell within a giant rebel cell? (laughs) Which fair, I would like to know if I'm an agent of the rebellion besides just doing like Robin Hooding missions. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's move. <laughs> now let's move on to the relationships, and really, we've already talked about Canon and Ezra kind of at length because that's all of what Episode Five was about. But the only thing I still wanted to mention is how they open the door. This whole together now, mm-hmm. and I think this is the first time that we see Jedi and Master opening a large door together. Is that right? I think so. Please, so yeah working this much in concert together like trying to merge their wills I think is really different from what we've seen I don't know like Obi-Wan and Anakin I don't know if they would be able to do it as quickly as Kanan and Ezra did because they're both kind of rebellious in and of themselves Mm -hmm. maybe when Anakin was younger they could have done this I don't know if 19 year old Anakin would have been as I think I think Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan could have done it with how in tandem those two were in The Phantom Menace. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yoda could have done it by himself, so we don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) If any of his Padawans could have done it with him. Possibly. Probably Dooku. Dooku probably when he was younger and less inclined to betray (laughs) everyone. (laughs) That's a good call though, sir. I do love the teamwork aspect for the Jedi because you don't get to see it super often in the movies. There's not, I mean, they're a team, no, but, but a not, lot of times they separate. They're not together. Yeah. And I'm trying to think the only other time other than, you know, this time here trying to open a door, the only other time I can really think about the Jedi, at least on screen, working together like this is actually when they're somewhere in the middle slash towards the end of Clone Wars where they're trying to break a prisoner's mind and there's like three or four of them together it's like Mace, Ahsoka, Anakin every yes it's Cad Bane they're trying Mm -hmm. to force information out of him and it really doesn't work (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) and those are some of the most powerful Jedi and Cad Bane is like freaking strong Um, there is another opening doors situation that we will come upon in Rebels that kind of mirrors this in a different way <laughs> we'll see that coming up we'll, we'll discuss more about teamwork later <laughs> with those episodes. spoilers spoilers <laughs> all of the opening doors so many opening doors everywhere 
Um, next we have Ezra and Zara Leonis. Adorable. Bold of Ezra to tell Zara that he's trained to become Jedi. Yeah, I thought that was super bold. Zara is really everybody. adorable because he absolutely doesn't believe him at first. No. Right. Not even a little bit. It reminds me, no. have you guys seen there's like a, a funny like cartoon meme or whatever somewhere online that's it's it's like two co-workers. And one's like, oh, Hey, do you need a coffee? And the and the coworkers like, nah. The evil demon that possesses me is like doesn't like coffee or blah 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 blah. Coworker one walks away. Coworker and then evil demon says, "Dude, you have to stop telling people that. Someday someone's gonna believe you." <laughs> That's funny. I love that so much. Like chill. Well, next up, we've got Hera and Sabine, who we've also kind of already talked about. And episode seven was all about their episode and trust. The one thing that I still wanted to mention is that I think that it's really wonderful that they work together with Hera following Sabine's explosive plan instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. So even though Sabine doubts herself and doubts Hera's trust in her, that's at the same time Hera is trusting Sabine literally with her life. Yes. And then the other one that we see start to really shine through in these episodes is the relationship between Hera and the ghost, also the phantom, Mm -hmm. that they are really one and the same. She has a very intimate knowledge of the ship. Like she's talking about the steering and everyone's like, "Uh, it seems fine. She's like, I know my ship, damn it. The steering's off. Yep. Yeah. Sensors aren't as good as an actual person using it who knows the machine. Right. That's yep. her baby. Say that's She's her made longest plenty of relationship. Sewing upgrades. Her and <laughs> Chop, man, just working on the ghost. That's a side series I could get behind. When go from like when Hera rescues Chopper to when they meet Kanan, just like their adventures in between. <laughs> oh, I would love it. Well, I think we can move on to our fourth holocron where we bind the galaxy together with homages and Easter eggs. And so to kind of get us kicked off, Base Delta Zero. This initiative is heard on the Holonet broadcast that the crew overhears. And the announcer says that, quote, another planet has been liberated, end quote, because of it. Well, not so much. Base Delta Zero was a program started under the Republic during the Clone Wars, then taken up by the Empire. It is the total destruction of all life and resources on a planet. The Republic's excuse to use it was against enemies that were deep underground on the planet or a planet, while the Empire was much more liberal in their use of the Order. Bum, bum, bum. Seems very Operation cinder E which mm-hmm. was at the end of Return of the Jedi situation. Just this like total war, total annihilation stuff. And of course, coming out of the Net as a propaganda piece is brilliant so that people don't think that the destruction of an entire people and its planet's resources is bad because they're enemies of the Empire. Right. Yeah. Mm. Very, uh, I mean, we know that they're working on a much faster way to implement it. Mm-hmm. Just one little shot and yeah, no more Alderaan. <laughs> it's fine. Billions of people. It's just fine. Next, we have the Spire on Stygian Prime. This is the first time we've seen this person on screen, but comics readers, me. 
will know that this prison was a separatist facility during the Clone Wars. And this is where Darth Sidious imprisoned Maul after he defeated him on Mandalore until Maul was rescued by his Death Watch Maldalorians. Poor Maul. <laughs> Locked up in this freaking prison with Dooku and Palpatine just poking at him. This is very rude, but it, it's a really cool looking prison. Like, yeah, I would not want to try and break into that. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Next, we have going all the way back to Empire Strikes Back. Do or do not. There is no try. Yoda wisdom with some actual clarity of what it means. This is perhaps the most satisfying callback ever. Because when Kanan invokes Yoda's mantra from the Empire Strikes Back, Ezra, just like all of us upon hearing it, are like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. How can and you do anything Kanan, if you don't try? How, yeah, how do I do something if I don't try to do it? And even Kanan's like, eh, I don't know. He used to say it a lot. <laughs> but Which is saying, also cute. Little baby Kanan. <laughs> Probably talking back to Yoda too, being like, dude, that makes no sense. <laughs> yes. But then at the end of the episode, we get that clarity about what it actually means, that it's absolutely about your attitude towards the task, not necessarily whether right. you complete it but how you, how you approach it. It's not the end goal, it's the journey, baby. Yeah, exactly. I know how he feels here. I'm trying to study for my exams and mm, <laughs> trying to study for my exams is the key, <laughs> key phrasing there. <laughs> and instead you're just on here with us. Yeah, that's fine. I will study for my exams this week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next up is Kyber. Ezra's decoder mission is to stop a shipment of kyber crystals, which the Empire is mining to power the Death Star. Mm-hmm. That was such a cool explosion to see that green energy kind of coming off. Must go faster. <laughs> <laughs> Kanan, a really good pilot. They don't showcase that a lot on the show, how good he is. In the book of New Dawn, they bring up that he's a very daring pilot. He's not as good as Hera, like nowhere near. And he admits that. He's like, oh, Hera's like in a class way above me but he's a, a good pilot and his kind of when he docks the phantom that's that's a tough move to pull off when you're also trying not to die <laughs> very very difficult oh my favorite pod racing <laughs> <laughs> oh man pod racer parts are brought up in the cadet episode to distract callus zara tells him that his pod racer parts have been delivered <laughs> Oh man, although we may all remember Anakin's win at the Boonta Eve Classic on Tatooine fondly, not me, dear listeners. <laughs> by the time this story, pod racing has been outlawed by the Empire. So a lot of revenue flow has gone out of Tatooine for the huts, which I'm sure they were super happy about. Job was like, I have to downgrade to this floating barge palace. Rude. <laughs> Well, next up, we've got Fulcrum, which is the name given to Hera's contact, but it was also the name of a secret subspace communication frequency used by Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Indicator of who that that. might be? I don't know. (laughs) Well, and it's used by Andor. Cassian Andor, that's his code name Mm -hmm. in Rogue One. So we got multiple fulcrums, babies. Fulcrums everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) 
And lastly, we have the well. So the training facility that Ezra is subjected to in Breaking Ranks is very, very similar to the box, a deadly testing site made by criminal Morello Eval. Great name, Under George. <laughs> <laughs> that is a George name. <laughs> Evil morals. No, Thank you. <laughs> I mean, is it any better or worse than Cruella Deville? Like, I love Cruella Deville. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, that was written in like, I think the 50s or 60s. So she at least has a jump on George from that. Uh, so undercover Obi-Wan had to try and beat the box to move on with his mission in that particular Clone Wars arc. He was competing against a lot of bounty hunters, mm-hmm. including Cat yeah. Bane. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And he kind of pulled off things that Ezra has to do in the episode where he has to jump all over the dang place and he has mm-hmm. to shoot targets and very similar like oh the empire has been keeping notes so many <laughs> notes on everything <laughs> well dooku was involved in that arc right mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. well let's move on to my favorite holocron which is the fifth holocron conjecture at the cantina where we ask our questions about the episodes and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. Colleen you mm-hmm. want to kick us off? Of course right after I put the cat down on the ground Okay. What did Filoni and crew have to say about these episodes? Lots of fun little details in here. Uh, About Kanan as a teacher in particular, Dave Filoni said that Kanan can escape the dogmatic part of being a Jedi master teacher because he's more cavalier and because he's honest about who he is. Like he, when he doubts something, he actually communicates that he's doubting himself. Good job, my dude. And then Taylor Gray, who voices Ezra. It is, it's so, (laughs) Hera is a big part of that. mm, Their relationship is so cute. Uh, Voice actor Taylor Gray also said that Freddie Prince Jr. was really helpful when they were recording, acting like a mentor, even though Taylor would be like, I was totally going to do that by myself. (laughs) (laughs) My guy. Uh, Tia Sirkar, who voices Sabine, commented that Taylor and Freddie were just like Kanan and Ezra. And Taylor denied it at first, more peak Ezra right there. But he admitted later that it was so obviously a teacher-student dynamic. Like, oh, <laughs> so cute. I love it. Very cool. So I have a question to you guys about the Inquisitor, specifically that lightsaber, because it looks so cool, right? One blade, mm-hmm. two blade, and then it kind of spins. But is the spinning lightsaber, despite the fact that it looks super cool, is it possibly an indicator that the Inquisitor is not as strong as your average Jedi or Sith. There's an argument to be made that wielding it while it's spinning might take a little extra skill, but if you need it to be spinning, if you need like a machine to spin your lightsaber for you, does that indicate that you're not actually quite as strong? Yeah, I love Mm. this question. We will get to (laughs) a lot of the Inquisitor stuff later, but especially his feelings of inadequacy, that'll be coming up. Dave Filoni told Rebels Recon's Andy Gutierrez that the Inquisitor's lightsaber was made to be like a cheat code. So it allows him to move how Maul would move naturally. So it's giving him an edge that he normally wouldn't have. And this is directly from Dave's. Like they're, they wanted you to think that he's kind of like Maul with the double-bladed red saber, but that He's not quite at Maul's level, especially with dueling and fighting. He does seem to be more like a Dooku stylist with, I think, Form 2, where he's more of a person-on-person duelist. With the yeah, he's got that like very straight back, mm-hmm. almost like one hand behind him, like you would have a fencing stat. 
Mm-hmm. Thatcher. Also super rude of him to point out that <laughs> Kanan like favors form three to a ridiculous degree. Like that's just so <laughs> rude. <laughs> so mean. Um, and actually the design for the saber came from concept art from the game Force Unleashed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then this one, um, we're getting more into Luminara here. Where was she during Order 66? And also with her, like was, is her former Padawan Beresafi still alive? I was wondering these things when I first watched Rebels. According to Wikipedia, Luminar was on Kashyyyk with Yoda when Order 66 was issued. And she was in a green Delta 7B interceptor and was presumed to have been shot down by the clones, but she managed to survive the battle. However, she was taken into custody by the Empire, imprisoned in the Spire prison, and then she was executed in front of the Inquisitor. So she was alive for probably a very short time Mm-hmm. afterward i mean the fact that she survived initially is pretty insane like she was a very powerful yeah. jedi master but then for this to be her fate like all of the footage they have of her like being led around and she looks super sad and she's in the prison uniform is real that's yeah. not fake that's actually her being captured and put in the prison mm-hmm. barris we don't know mm. feloni has kind of hinted that he wants to bring barris back in some way but we haven't gotten it yet after she was taken away and presumably prosecuted slash imprisoned, maybe executed for the Jedi Temple bombing in the Clone Wars. The only thing we hear about her again is Ki Adimundi, another one of my favorites, citing her betrayal as reason to potentially execute Quinlan Vos in Dark Disciple after he falls. And Ahsoka, of course, later reflects on the points that Barris was making. Like, mm, Barris had a point though, because we're all dead now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm. although Maybe she bombing. doesn't condone her methods so. yeah bombing the temple was not a good idea no or framing ahsoka no. was not a good idea no those were terrible ideas but her <laughs> ideology was pretty spot on you know, like we shouldn't be soldiers we shouldn't be generals we shouldn't be out here in the galaxy killing people yeah mm. my question about luminara was what what was going on there with that whole corpse projection thing first of all really creepy but also just the actual mechanics of it like do her bones does her corpse give off some kind of residual force energy or something or is the inquisitor just using that to mask his own force sensitivity as hers and that's what Kaden was sensing it was really confusing to me yeah, it almost seemed like her force ghost was captured. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really different. We've never seen anything like this. Because um, usually they burn the bodies. Like they burn the Jedi in their funeral pyres. Or we've seen them disappear to become force ghosts. But this one, her body is preserved in some way, which probably keeps those midichlorians intact. Like they're dormant, which might be why Kanan can't quite feel her rightly like, but her midichlorians are still there so it's still giving off her kind of force presence but then this hologram is super sophisticated it's way different from all of the hollows we've really seen like most impressive hologram technology at the spire was it a hologram that was my other yeah that was piece that's, that. I didn't think- yeah we don't they don't explain it really <laughs> it seems like it it was just because I think she does the same motion no matter what. Like she's sitting there and then she gets up and goes Mm -hmm. back to her thing. 
her sarcophagus, which was super creepy, you guys. Yeah. She's like, this show is for children. <laughs> <laughs> There's a desiccated corpse in there, y'all. <laughs> this is fine. Uh, for the Inquisitor's presence, I, I, I don't think he would be able to mask his dark side power. Like if he's projecting anything in the force, I think Kanan would feel it as dark side. I don't think he can bring forth the light anymore. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I think he's masking his presence. Like a lot of the Jedi and the Sith do really easily, it seems. So I, yeah, I don't know if he could project per se. They're definitely using Luminara though, in a way that I'm not a huge fan of Luminara because of the Clone Wars stuff, but she did not deserve <laughs> this. She did not deserve this kind of existence. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of force users, how impressive is it that in episode five, Kanan caught Ezra using the force? Because I thought it was super duper impressive. Like the distance, the speed, the velocity, the weight, just all Absolutely. of it seemed incredibly impressive to me. Is this something we could have, should have, would have expected from a Jedi? Or is this really something stepping above and beyond? I feel like it's a little bit above and beyond. Anders, getting some uh, Light of the Jedi vibes here? A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Definitely a little above and beyond, I would say, your average Jedi. Uh, if Ezra was a, wasn't a Padawan, like if he was a full Jedi, I'd almost expect him to be able to pull off like a superhero landing after this. But since he can't, the, the, the distance that Kanan had to grab him from right hang on while on the moving ship everything very very indicative that kanan is more powerful than the average jedi mm -hmm. super cool and more powerful than he even thinks he probably is because this is a panic a panic force use probably <laughs> right so this is his innate power coming out and then being able to pull him back up too is insane and chopper's yeah. about to like knock him back off again no big deal <laughs> Zed like did spring into action here which was nice to see like he was down there really fast in order to grab Ezra even though he yelled more at props there. to Kanan for not like while he's grabbing Ezra shoving Zeb off well my last question is how how unusual or usual is it that Ezra or a Padawan gets to use a lightsaber so early because in episode five, it closes out with Ezra playing baseball basically with Kanan's lightsaber. And it seemed to me that it was very early or quick. So tell me about this. How, how often do Padawans get to use a lightsaber that early? Hard to say because we don't see that many padawans this early in their relationship with their masters and then you throw on on top of that that the fact that ezra is already older like we know that younglings have training sabers that they go through and then at some point i think still in officially their youngling stage before they actually become full-blown padawans is when they would make the the trip to ilum to get their kyber crystal and assemble their sabers yeah so that would probably happen I want to say when they're sometime between like nine and 12. I'm trying to guess like the age because Kanan is in training in the comic when he's younger. Yeah. So yeah, I would say nine and 12 is probably. Yeah. So in, in terms of other Jedi that we've seen though, I mean, Luke got a 
got a lightsaber day one, literally Not day bad. one, <laughs> the yeah, day he found out that the like force existed. It <laughs> <laughs> Points it straight at his eye, you know. Well, thanks so much. I think this wraps up our conjecture at the cantina. Yes. All right, let's move on to that sixth holocron, Colleen. And now everybody, it is time for our sixth holocron, the newbie from Naboo. This is Flo's first time watching Rebels. So we've tasked her with watching the episodes and giving us her questions, her takes. So let's find out what our ambassador for Naboo thought about today's episodes. Flo. Okay, so today I actually have like lots of questions because I felt like a lot <laughs> happened and like a lot, I didn't know what was going on in these. So get ready. Okay, so I'll go episode by episode. Episode five, I loved the callback to Yoda's line, of course, like obviously like that was the big thing, right? Do or do not, there's no try. And I love the meta commentary of like, yeah, that makes no sense. Everybody's confused about it. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> loved that. Um, I have a question about Kanan's lightsaber. Okay, so do all lightsabers have this like, length adjusting situation or like there's a big man yeah (laughs) (laughs) he is like six three so that lightsaber is long because that was like really right like where he like pressed the button on the side and like the length could change like Mm -hmm. is that a thing like have have we seen this before i don't think i don't know if we've seen it before it makes sense though because as everyone gets older and taller they would need to adjust their lightsaber so it makes sense that it would be there i guess like i just always figured they just like got a new hilt and for some reason like that would change I guess I just like never really thought about it so that was really cool to see him like explain how it works because I was like yeah I kind of wanted to know that I think we need to make it a little shorter (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) what a dig yeah well speaking of my next note literally says Zeb is still such a dick (laughs) (laughs) he should not be allowed near children he is the worst around them Horrible babysitter. Do not recommend. Zero out of ten. Zeb. <laughs> like, not good. Um. Okay. Next, I tried to look this up, but there were like a million different things. What were those manta ray flying things? I don't know, but they sure were horny. They, they really <laughs> wanted to get it. <laughs> that is hysterical. Well, I can check my notes. <laughs> so, anyways, I was like, these are really cute, and I really like them but I don't know what they are. So it would have been nice for like somebody to just drop a name. So just so I would know, cause I like to know things. My note says Stygian prime flying creatures question mark. So I probably, okay. I probably did look it up at some point but then I didn't write it in my notes. All right, well, I'm glad it wasn't just me who just like didn't know what those were. Um, my next thing was the inquisitor is creepy as fuck. You like, really is, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen any, like I thought Darth Maul was pretty creepy. I mean, not to Colleen, obviously. Oh, no, he's still a little creepy. (laughs) Super into him, but, like, not my type, obviously. I like them burnt to a crisp. Uh, (laughs) But the Inquisitor is really super creepy. Do not like him at all. But he's got probably one of the coolest lightsabers that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So... I like really like the like fencing foil like handily looking thing like sword situation going on mm-hmm. and then that it's like double bladed optional with sweet and then it just like spins like how many <laughs> upgrades has this thing gotten quite wild. a few quite it a, is few. a lot of upgrades and... it is I mean that must have cost him a pretty penny inquisitor making bang <laughs> good job inquisitor inquisiting all over <laughs> 
Um, and then this episode ended with Ezra and Kanan in like kind of what I would look at as like them playing ball, right? Oh, that, for like, sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Space More, like, dad. Yeah, it was just so sweet. It was like Kanan like lobbing him trash or whatever, and Ezra just like hitting it with his lightsaber. It was very, very cute. Loved that. That was very sweet. And I just loved how Ezra wanted to stay with Kanan. That was really, really nice. Yeah. I don't want the best. I want you. Oh, I know, that, <laughs> that didn't come out like I meant it. <laughs> yeah, right. You're not, not that you're not the best for sure. No, like it's fine. Yeah, um, we okay. talked about this a little bit earlier, but like episode five is all about Kanan and Kanan's yeah. relationship to Ezra. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. It was very sweet. Here's my pop this week, Flo, for you. Aww. <laughs> okay, but like his eyebrows look less weird. He said we had his little body tail. <laughs> That's very cute. That's very, very. Sorry for all those of you listening again on this medium. <laughs> Colleen is holding up a Kanan Funko Pop bobblehead. <laughs> so I will just keep telling you what's happening here. Um, okay, episode six. I actually loved this episode. Really? Know, you didn't think it was a side quest? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it is, but it's really important. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I like a good side quest that explains something further to me. But okay, let me tell you, Anders, a crate dragon is not that. Okay, <laughs> don't at me. Okay, anyways, moving on from our past Mando feuds. I love this episode. I love an undercover mission. I was a little bit confused as to like, how, like where are we in time at this point? Like how long has Ezra been with the crew? Because they said that he had been undercover for a couple weeks at this point, which mm -hmm. like seemed kind of short anyways, because he seemed like he was like really well integrated with this like group of cadets or whatever. Yeah. Um, so do we know like how long it's been? Not Prob really. <laughs> probably a couple of months total, okay. a few months. He's not okay. 15 yet, so he's... Oh, do we get a birthday party this. episode? Maybe. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> okay, that's really exciting, actually. Okay, um, yeah, so love the undercover mission. Kind of confused as to, like, why their tests are all climbing out of holes. Like, that didn't seem like the best use of their time. That was kind of weird. Okay, but my, my big note for my friend Ezra is why do people always take off their helmets when they are doing something sneaky? It's so Keep true. your helmet on. Like, what is your problem? If you can, like, do stuff with your helmet, just keep it on. People are going to see it. I mean, I guess people would know it's him because of his helmet anyways. But, like, keep it on. At least it's extra protection. Like, what is wrong with you? I don't know. Yeah. Have we established it's that those helmets can stop, can actually provide any protection <laughs> against anything? No, we have not. Yes, also no, we can. We have. Because remember, when a door closes on one of the helmets, the door oh, stays open. That is an impressive helmet. It's a tough, that's true, that's tough true. helmet. <laughs> I, call, I will say, like, I really did not like these cadet helmets at all. Like, I do like that they, like, the face part can, like, open and close, which was really cool. But, like, they made them look like weird grasshoppers. <laughs> like, I really didn't, like, they had, like, weird mandibles. It was just very, very strange. I didn't like it. Um, and then my last note for this episode is I actually really liked Jai Kel and then the other guy whose name I can't remember who stayed back so, to find his sister. That's there. Okay, really, really like that guy. And I'm hoping that we get to see them again. I hope that he finds his sister. Tell me, do we get to see them again? No, I can we tell can't you the sister. Tell you thing. Anything. No, we can't, we can't tell, tell you anything. You guys are the sister thing okay. you can because it's not on the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Which answer, yeah, which is a spoiler. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, I will go digging for my own sister answers. That's fine. <laughs>
Um, okay, and then episode seven. Okay, this was actually like a really important episode for me because when this episode started, I, you know, I had just watched the other two and all of a sudden I was like, oh, like this is just Star Wars. Like at first I was like, okay, this is like animated, kind of like I did with Clone Wars. And then all of a sudden I was like, I kind of forgot that it was animated. And I was just like, hmm. huh, it's Star Wars. Okay. It's that good. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was really like, that hit me because I'd never got that with Clone Wars. So this was very exciting for me. Um, okay, I love that Ezra wants to pilot. Everybody wants to pilot. <laughs> it's just like all the cool kids want to be pilots. So that was really cute. My question, and I don't think I'm supposed to know this, is who, what is Fulcrum? Mm -mm. Okay, no, I'm not supposed to know. Nope, right? No spoilers. But that wasn't a thing. I love I your curiosity, though. It's perfect. <laughs> If you okay. had you finished, if you had finished Clone Wars, you would know where the name comes from. Okay, well, I mean, I know what a fulcrum is, but <laughs> in the context okay. of Star Wars. All right, all right, I will. I'll bide my time, I guess. Um, I I really like this like girl mission. I thought that was really great, but I think my favorite part was Sabine with the double pistols. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it was just like, oh my god, it's Lara Croft. <laughs> I was just like, yes. And I, I mean, I played a lot of Tomb Raider as a kid, so I really, really liked it. Um, I, am I supposed to know what the creepy sun hating creatures were? Yes, no. that's okay. No. Okay. Yeah, at, they're new. For, okay. They were called, really creepy. They're called fear knocks. Okay. Do the, okay. They, they were very, very creepy. And very like, vicious. They didn't mm -hmm. look as vicious as they ended up being. So at first I was just like, oh, this is like fine. Like I thought something else was going to happen. Like they were like going to be stranded and like left without food or, but no, it was the weird cat things. So that was kind of weird. And then my other and like last note on this episode is like, why were they hiding behind explosives and then shooting? That felt very, very, very bad. Dangerous. Like maybe let's step away from the explosives when we shoot. This is a very quick plan. They're very good shots. That's that's what was going on. I mean, fair, but like I'm not like a military strategist in any way. But maybe we like don't do that. So those were my takes. I am really, really enjoying it, and I'm excited. I obsessed with Ezra and Sabine, and I love their longing looks well just Ezra's longing looks at Sabine Sabine's just like whatever <laughs> no, no, no no she's very specific calling him kid multiple times like Ezra it's about time to get the hint kiddo <laughs> yeah I mean poor guy poor guy <laughs> I mean he's stuck in the ship with like really hot Sabine like what else is he supposed to do yep he can't yep. hit on Zeb well I mean he yeah. could but Zeb is hateful so <laughs> hate that guy well, I think that's a great, I think that's a great place for us to leave things. So join us again next week to geek out together during our Empire Day celebrations about Rebels season one, episode eight through ten. Until mm -hmm. next time, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five star reviews. Check out our website at Bohemian Geek Studies, where you can watch all of our episodes. Enjoy Colleen's book corner, where she's reviewing Star Wars literature, and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. You can also head over to our ForgottenEntertainment.com to check out all of the offerings of the Forgotten Entertainment family, including yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with their co-host Daniel and some special guests you may recognize, 
are examining the films in Star Wars canon. Until next time, sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.